This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. This is episode eight, and I am Joe Donnell, and I am with uh, my friend, Joshua Pfeiffer. How are you doing, sir? Good evening. I am actually doing really great. Cool. For once, all the colds and all the germs are behind us. <laughs> and now we can wait yes. another week and then get you know the hay fever or something else. Yes, our our house is uh, sickness free. <laughs> Finally, uh, la- last week was super rough. We just had a bunch of just junk happen all at once, and I lost sleep, and I just blah blah blah, just was terrible. And then uh, I sought tech relief, and so I, I, I decided <laughs> to go ahead and bite the bullet, get uh, OmniFocus, and so I just started dumping, you know, listened to some GTD stuff, started dumping my brain into. OmniFocus started organizing it. Getting your David Allen on. Got my got my inbox to zero, and I can't explain the difference. We still have some ongoing issues, but it's just all managed. And 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 the cognitive stuff he talks about. I mean, it is true. Yeah, Tim Stringer and or David Allen are both. Yes, oh, both of them. Yeah, I've listened and, and watched both. You know, some videos. I'm going through uh, the newest edition of GTD right now. It is really amazing. Like I feel, I feel like more energetic. My my mind is clearer. I'm happier. Which I'm just, I'm not a happy person. I just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of meh. That's like the joy out of recording podcasts. Right now, I'm excited. I'm excited about organizing my stuff. <laughs> anyway, yeah. The thing about OmniFocus is everything that you just said. It makes us so much relief, so that you can enjoy a cool glass of whatever your favorite drink is in the evening because you've had everything put down into OmniFocus and you don't have to be worried sick about it into the wee hours of the night. Yes. I, w- I was very hesitant, you know, $40 for an app, but I bit the bullet and you know, $40 plus. Yeah. Think I think I bit the bullet and got the pro version for the Mac. Oh really? Yeah. I've not done that yet. So I get, yeah, 40 and 40, one for the iOS, one for the Mac. But I tell you what, I, I would give another $80 right now just because of, I'm just, I'm really geeking out about it right now. And if you're new to the end of the show and that we were talking about OmniFocus with Tim Stringer. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes so that you know what the heck we're talking about. Let's go ahead and talk about our guest with us tonight is Mr. Joe Coyote from New York City. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Hello, Josh and Joe. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. I probably met you on Twitter three, four, five months ago. Yeah, it's funny. It feels longer than yeah, that. In Twitter years. In Twitter, yeah, I feel like in, in Twitter time, we've known each other a longer span of time. But yes, we, we met on the internet, which is pretty awesome. You can't say you meet many people on the internet and stay in you know communication with them. So it's pretty cool. And it is pretty cool because there's this great community that's growing around several of the podcasts that I think you and I like to listen to. We share some of the same blog RSS feeds, I'm sure. And uh, I like what you write over there at info. Appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> and I really enjoy your show as well, Diagnostics and Usage with Cody Coates. Y'all uh, keep tabs on all the current news and events going on with the tech scene. And, and I like it when y'all get into the Apple subjects. But you talk about a lot more than just the Apple products. I think... What makes a great power user or just a great Apple user in general is someone who enjoys many of the products for how they're just influential throughout your life and your interests. So you use them for work and entertainment and everything else, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a good point about, you know, our, our show, you know, we 
we do talk about the you know the latest Apple and tech news and stuff like that, but I find that yeah, I find that our best shows are when we kind of get off in tangents and just talk about if you know how technology is frustrating us or helping us or you know a, um, a unique story that that happened to us in you know recent times. So it, it's a lot of fun to do, and uh, you know I got a great co-host, and we're we're happy to be there every week. And you and your co-host are relatively new to the Apple culture, though, right? You were working at the Apple Store in New York City a few years. Yeah, yeah. Both me, both me, and my co-host Cody. Um, that's how we met. Was working at the Apple Store in New York City. So I worked for Apple um, from the you know the beginning of 2012 to the end of 2014. So almost almost three years and. Uh, and then Cody worked there, and, and now he he moved out to California. And uh, when, while we were working there, we knew that uh, you know we had to do a podcast. And of course, you can't have a podcast about Apple when you're working at Apple. Mm. Um, so uh, when we you know the stars kind of aligned, you know, as soon as he found a job and I found a job, we made it happen. I was wondering about their policy about that. Would they not let you talk about Apple and technology related to Apple on a blog either? Well, <laughs> that's actually an interesting topic because it's kind of vague. I mean, of course, every retail or every store has their kind of code of conduct um, or policy. But, you know, when you are working for Apple, if you're doing a lot of uh, anything online, social media, blogs, they don't really like when you, you know, mention that you work for the company because that could misconstrue that you are like a spokesperson, so to speak. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so funny story, believe it or not, some, you know, I've I've had my blog since 2011 and, you know, I I knew that once I started working for Apple, I couldn't really talk much about them in in like as far as talking about speculation and rumors, but I would still, you know, write about applications that I like and I would post interesting things that I found on the internet, but I did one time get called into the HR office and they were like, so we just want to let you know that we're aware of your um, blog <laughs> because people have been reading it. Um, you haven't done anything wrong. You, you know, you haven't done anything wrong, but we just wanted to let you know that, you know, we've had our uh, HR team look into it and, <laughs> and, and that's that it was, it was, it was a very interesting conversation. Cause it was like, you're not in trouble, but just to let you know, we're keeping an eye on your posts. <laughs> yeah, and I would have appreciated that if I were in your shoes at the time, because I'd just be itching to you know, take advantage of some of the special knowledge I have. And I know that some other Apple employees have talked about their, their like uh, launch day experiences online when there's a new Apple, uh, well, a new phone or whatever, new iPad. And I, I don't, I don't know if they got into trouble or not, but I read some of those articles and they were very enjoyable to hear the story from the other side of the store. And it, you know, I guess some of them were anonymous stories. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it's one of them is McSweeney's something, something McSweeney. They, they had a series once where they had an Apple store employee, write A bunch of behind the scenes stuff anonymously. But yeah, when I was working there, I was dying to write and talk about it. So the way I curbed that was I would have these iMessage threads with a select, you know, couple of coworkers and we would just basically have like our own mini uh discussion via a private iMessage chat. That was that was the uh you know, the lengths we went just so that we can kind of talk about what was going on in the Apple world. I would have done the exact same thing. And if I didn't have any friends, I would have been talking about them in my day one journal. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't escape it. 
And so now beyond the Apple store, beyond the Apple genius bar, you're doing something else regarding technology in New York city. And can you describe your job? And I, I think it's interesting. I know you haven't talked an awful lot about your job online. So can you describe it for us? Absolutely. And it's funny. The reason I probably haven't talked a lot, a lot about my job online is the- Another corporate policy? No, it, it, it's literally just like the, I don't want to say PTSD of like working at Apple, but like when you're there, you got to walk, you know, you're kind of walking on eggshells and so to speak, and so, so that, you know, you don't get anything misconstrued so that when I switched to this new job, I was like, I could probably tell people what I do. It's I don't work for a uh, you know a company who is uh, working on secret devices that millions of people are going to be using. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, I work for a company called Show and Tell, and um, what the company specializes in is what's called digital out of home. Um, and what uh, what that basically means is anything that has to do with audio and visual. But that would that would pertain outside of your home. So I'm not working for a company that installs home theater systems in your living room. Uh, it, it would be quite the opposite. So, um, you know, given our placement in New York City, um, we do deal with a lot of media that goes up on the billboards in Times Square. And we'll also just take care of uh, any kind of um, audiovisual needs, even internally in different, you know, retail and corporate outlets. What my job is in particular is is twofold. So half of my job is kind of IT related. So I will be uh, the person, you know, setting people up with their new computers and getting them all their accounts and troubleshooting stuff around the office. And then the other half of my job is more of, you know, going out in the field and going to these locations and going into these racks of computers and kind of troubleshooting issues, um, you know, making sure the content is displaying correctly on these, you know, on these displays. And I, I like it a lot because um, I'm not really doing the same thing each day. Every week is a, is a different thing. And some people may not like that, but I find it uh, very interesting because there's no kind of tedious tasks that I'm doing. It's, it's something new and different and troubleshooting something different every, every week. Hmm. And did you have prior experience with audio video or were they training you up within the company? So yeah, most of my background is on the IT side of things. So since this job had an IT aspect of it, that that's what really helped me get into it. But yeah, audio visual, aside from my own kind of AV stuff that I've taken care of in my house and my family's house, I was they were able to kind of give me the training necessary and kind of take a shot at you know giving me the position and it's just been really eye-opening to see that side of things because it's a whole new world it, it, it's it's really like if you're someone who's very computer savvy and into like troubleshooting stuff of that nature the audio visual side it yes it has you know similarities but um it has a lot more aspects and a lot more mo- moving parts to it, so to speak. And, uh, I find it very challenging, but in a good mm. way. You're, you're telling me I worked in audio video f- for about 10 years. Oh, wow. And just in the small stuff, going back to the SD days, producing video graphics, I, I eventually, uh, I was working, I started in, you know, things like Photoshop and Final Cut Pro. And then over the years I picked up, uh, Adobe After Effects skills and then motion skills And then even back in the day when there was a Final Cut Pro Studio, I was using Soundtrack Pro and others from that suite like Color. 
And I was so excited when they introduced color because there was a video demo where they were using color to color grade the Lord of the Rings first film by Peter Jackson. And wow. it was like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is good stuff. This, I like this layer of uh, design. And, and getting to that level of detail, though, actually introduced a world of, of technical uh, complexity that nobody could possibly appreciate. If you're outside of the movie industry and the video audio industry, you think that it's all a bunch of artists doing what they love. But then if you're in that business, you realize how many smart technically minded individuals it takes to really pull off this kind of craftsmanship that that kind of art to excel in the motion graphics alone to to get the pictures to look right up in times square i cannot imagine the task force that has to be on those to make sure that everything looks right from day to day it has to be insane yeah it, it's a very large undertaking but it's it, it's amazing it, like you said once you see the behind the scenes aspect of it you are you're you're like oh my goodness i can't believe this many these many you know this this amount of people are all wor- working behind the scenes to get something on a screen and that is graphic artists and you're working with different uh, ad agencies and you're working with people who are promoting something new so they need to send graphics over and it's just really um it, it's just really wild stuff so it's been a lot of fun since you brought it up at agencies, I have to ask, did you see the finale of Mad Men? I did not. I I don't know. I just, I couldn't get into Mad Men. And I, okay. I feel like, I feel like... It misrepresents your industry. <laughs> well, maybe back in the day, of course. <laughs> With Breaking Bad, I didn't watch that show until it finished. And then I kind of binge watched into it um, and I loved it. So I, I might do something similar with Mad Men um, because I know my wife was watching Mad Men and, and the couple episodes that I caught, you know, some of them really hooked me. Some of them seemed um, a little slow, but that could have been, you know, me not knowing all of the complexities of the characters, but I do look forward to giving it another shot. I hear you completely. I would recommend you, you check it out again. Uh, I pretty much started, I guess, started it last fall-ish and kind of binge-watched it through the fall and winter and then uh, just finished it up. And it was, I mean, probably top top yeah. five favorite shows. Wow. It just, it, it the character development. I mean, I think what I liked the most is they were all just so terrible. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they just did a great job of, of just showing the... Uh, the corrupt nature of of each of them uh you know the finale you know was it was so so but uh but yeah just the show in general was great i i yeah i i couldn't avoid the i guess finale spoiler so to speak but it didn't seem like this show ended in a way where it was like if you knew the last scene that would ruin the entire series versus like something like breaking bad i would never you know i wouldn't want people to know what would happen but but yeah i'm 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 going to give it another go. Well, since Mad Men was a historical account of all the work that goes on there in New York City, we really know what goes on in your life, Joe. Oh yeah, so. it's it's just full of it's full of whiskey. Yeah, um, very seedy. We have to look it's out It's just for whiskey you. and adventures. That's all I can say. Let's get on with uh, two of our topics for this discussion. I wanted to discuss uh, social networks, and the reason for discussing social networks is that. You and I got to know each other on social networks. And in fact, I actually got to know Joshua the same way. Oh, no way. I had some connections with Joshua in the meat space, but um, yeah, no reason to actually have much in the way of face-to-face encounters. You know, my wife, Joshua, tells me that you and I at events actually sat down at the same dinner table. 
Hmm. But if for whatever reason it didn't stick, I, I don't remember. I I don't remember the dinner table. I do remember meeting you, but I don't remember having dinner with you. So yeah. Did did you say the meat space? That's what he calls me. Yeah, that's what he calls me. I'm just oh, the okay. meat. No, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, anything that happens in the real world, people in real life, connections in the meat space. <laughs> there's cyberspace and there's meat space. I honestly thought that you met him at like a meat convention. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't know any of your backgrounds very in-depthly, so I was a little confused at some point. We are here in Georgia. You know, anything can happen <laughs> I, in the I South. Do, I do love steak. <laughs> I did have the best steak of my life in Georgia and Atlanta, I will tell you. Really? I'm trying to build my new grill. I'm actually about halfway through. Yeah, just got rid of two old grills and putting together the new one. I can't wait. But anyway, we're talking about social networks. So we're, uh, you know, I've noticed Joe that you, you've, you're, you're something of an analyst. You, you think about these things. You're, you're concerned with the future of Twitter apps and the social networks and what it will, imp- how it will impact your day to day use and getting to know people and keeping in contact with people. And I've thoroughly enjoyed Twitter, and you know, it seems like out of you know, being on Facebook is just obligatory at this point. Or at least that's how it feels to me. It is, but I did I did um, deactivate my account for, I would say, a good three years, and it felt amazing. Uh, I reactivated it because of the common thing, which is keeping up with, like, kind of, A, acquaintances, and B, like, family members and distant family members that, you don't have everyone's phone number, um, and it's just easier to get in reach in reach of those people generally through Facebook. Um, but I like as of right now, um, if you like, if I friended you on Facebook, all you would see is links to my latest blog post because I just have an if this then that where I create a blog post, it gets posted to Facebook. It's very rare that I'm like in Facebook interacting with people. Maybe the mess- messaging aspect has become a little more important than the social aspect as far as like looking what people are up to because the feed is also been altered so drastically um so like on twitter i'm a i'm a completionist so i want to see things in time in you know in in time order and i want to make sure i you know i read every every tweet or at least at least the tweet passes my eyes and the fact that i can't do that with facebook it's almost like well you know if you're just going to show me stuff randomly i'm i'm probably not going to use the service yeah i find facebook far more complicated than it needs to be and the best case scenario is when you want to follow the the uh, the updates from a specific person. So if you want to look up this particular friend from high school and see what they've been up to, that works fine. If you want to mes- message them directly, that works fine too. If you want to play a stupid game with somebody, you can do that and do it to gr- directly and share it with them and you're all set. But if you're just trying to like uh, absorb the stream from the homepage, you'll get like, based on the algorithms, they'll start showing you the same people's content over and over and over. And you can go in there and you can say, well, I want to track this person and I don't want to track that person and don't offend them, but I want to mute them and stuff like that. But it gets really hairy really fast. Now I want to hear from you, Joshua, because like I said before the show, you're something of a power user on Facebook (laughs) compared to the rest of us. How do you explain that? No, I'm not trying to criticize. I, I just want to know. I, I would have to agree that the, that the algorithm is uh, quirky and probably not as uh, logical logical and consistent as Twitter, maybe. Maybe it works for an, an engineer's mind. <laughs> I think it, the usefulness of Facebook comes down to how you 
like you were saying, how you kind of pair what you're supposed to see. Like there's a few people I definitely want to see everything they, they say. And, uh, you know, a handful of people I don't want to see anything of anymore. So that, that certainly I think helps, but you know, I, I can't really compare it to Twitter because I, I just keep trying to use Twitter and I just can't, I just can't bring myself. To, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. I feel like an old man. I can't learn it. I just, maybe I need to just wait a few years for my kids to grow up. You know, my oldest is nine, maybe in like three years, she can teach it to me. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good point because I think Twitter is, and I've written about this so many times. It, it is a service that still doesn't have a clear kind of answer as to what it is because to each and every person it is different versus Facebook. Facebook is where you connect with friends and family. Um, and you generally, when you connect with them, you're both friends and you're want and you're, you're seeing what each other is sharing and saying, and you're interacting where Twitter, um, does not have that obligation to follow back. So with Twitter, you know, at least for me, uh, aside from following, you know, I, I don't really have that much family on Twitter. I mean, I follow people in the tech industry, like independent people in the tech industry who I really like, um, people who I've met over time, like, uh, like you, Joe. And, but mostly it's my source of news. So that's where I, that's where Twitter comes into play for me is that's where I get all of my news. It's an alternative to RSS for me. So that's why I'm constantly in it and I'm sending articles to Instapaper. But like Josh said, sometimes when you sign up for Twitter, it's not really obvious as to how you're supposed to use it. Because when you first sign up, they want you to follow celebrities. Yeah. You want to follow these 40 people? Great. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. But you follow those 40 people. Then what do you do? Okay. Let me put out my first tweet. Um, cooking dinner. Tweet it out. That goes into the ether. No one sees that because no <laughs> one has followed you back. So uh, like, like. Twitter is, in the beginning, it's almost like a, I don't know if you would say a chore, but you got to kind of stick through the tough times in the beginning of Twitter because like, mm. you're, you're kind of like, you're like, why should I even tweet if, if I have like three followers and those three <laughs> people may not even be on their phone scrolling through their timeline? Like it, it's I, almost shifted to a discovery. I've always felt like the reason for being on Twitter was to follow the organizations, the celebrities and just everyday people who are interested in the same interests. And so like you were saying that you end up enjoying Twitter more so because of the, the very specific isolated interests that you have in common with other people that are on Twitter. Whereas on Facebook, it's all about friends and family and keeping up with those people that you know uh, in the real world versus the digital world. And the, but it doesn't feel the same. It feels like Facebook is an obligation. Hmm. So yeah, I've actually, I've actually done the opposite. I think I might've told you before uh, on Facebook and I pretty much have both sides of most of both sides of my family blocked on Facebook <laughs> just because, because I wanted to use it as that, as that tool to, to connect with people of similar interests and, and similar perspectives. And, and there was too much of, discussion on Facebook of maybe controversial subjects that would cause issues with some uh, family members. Well, you are an old cantankerous man, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am cantankerous sometimes. Anyways, so my my, my point is, I, I guess you can use Facebook for it for the what what you're talking about. Your, your use case for Twitter is I kind of use Facebook for that. 
Yeah. And it also has a lot to do with what you started with and what you kept up with from day one. But but live with the fact that your fam- all your family knows that you've blocked them. Like, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. Like, I can just now, are you are, are you friends with them and you blocked what they're saying? Or have you... No, I've legitimately literally blocked... blocked I've legitimately blocked them. I, look, it was a act of mercy from me. Like, I don't want to keep offending you, so therefore I'm going to block you. So that's... Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, here's the, here's the thing. Like I, you know, when Facebook finally became like pretty popular, I don't know, 2007, when it opened up to everybody, I mean, I was a pretty heavy Facebook uh, user back in the day. I was farm villing it up. Like I was <laughs> making sure that, you know, I was checking it just to keep my crops alive. But, but like, like Joshua was saying, you know, the uh, conversations like I would get really angry sometimes and get into these <laughs> comment wars back and forth and it would get my blood boiling um, and, and 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 it was just I couldn't I couldn't take it and that's why in 2011 <laughs> I had to shut it off because it was like everything that was flying by my feed was just angering me and I was like I can't why am I right. checking something that's angering me but no, they, it I, seems I, I like went they've the, I went through the same exact thing and 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 I guess it comes down to the philosophy of use, which is I just started blocking idiots. You know, as soon as you got to, oh, wow, wow, that person is dumb blocked. That's very smart. I, I called it did. I called it digital murder. I just digitally murdered this person, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and they're dead to me, and I can move on. And life is, you know, there's enough people out there that you can block the idiots and move on. So I, I, I think I really have kind of honed my uh my my facebook friend list down to some pretty decent folk and and the discussions that happen you know are productive for me for you know in different different ways i have noticed that the people will respond to your content on facebook much more than they they do me and my and what i have to say yeah i mean that's because i'm more interesting than you yeah and (laughs) i just don't have much to say on facebook if i'm on facebook it's you know i'm quoting some uh, silly thing that my daughter said today that's all i have to share i do that too but it's just one of the many things. And that's the kind of thing I, I would typically, you know, not share on, on Twitter because I understand that people there are connected to me because they're sharing interests and they don't necessarily have children or have interests right. in children. So I think, I think face one of Facebook's biggest flaws is, is what we're, you know, basically what we're talking about is everyone kind of goes into one pot. And I think, you know, Google tried to solve that with, with having the, the, the groups, which I think was a good idea. And Facebook has tried to follow, but but it's just not as easy to use. So I, perhaps I'm using Facebook in in a way that most people don't. That could be. So the Apple these days in the rumor mill is supposedly working on some sort of social networking features with a future music service or an update to iTunes. Or some people even say that there is a music app for the Mac coming to the Mac. That's, I don't know, sort of a uh, spinoff of the music app on iOS and I don't know how that would interact with iTunes or possibly replace iTunes. And and this idea that they would integrate social networking features would be sort of hearkening back to their their failed attempt with social networking with the service called Ping. And <laughs> if you don't know what Ping is, uh, there's there's no... <laughs> You're like most of the world. <laughs> yeah, because it was very forgettable. You would be inside of iTunes doing you know your shopping or whatever, listening to some tracks, and it would show you, hey, this famous you know artist has something to say. He has said things on here. Check it out. And so you would see their profile within iTunes on Ping. And in theory, it sounds like an interesting idea. 
but it was also just so unnecessary. Well, it's, it's, it's also stifling. so so unApple like. You know, they you know they they either lead or they come into something that's been done and do it better. They don't come, you know, they typically don't come into uh, you know a new market and just suck. You know, and that's what I think what yeah. they try to do with Ping. And Ping was also running in in clunky iTunes. I mean, you literally had to dig through iTunes menus and it was really slow loading and it was not the experience that that anyone wanted at the time. And it was limited to the Mac. It wasn't something you could get on the iPad or I, you know, iPhones because it was just on the Mac. Then, I mean, I am right about that, right? I never noticed it up on my iPhone. Um, yeah, Mac and Windows, anything with iTunes on it. Yeah. So again, just so limited. But you know, you could go on there and say these are the this is the music that I like, and check out the other these artists if you're interested. And it just felt um, it felt forced. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. I think the social integration that they should copy, or at least part of the social integration that they should copy, is the one that Spotify has where you can see playlists that your friends have built, because uh, that's a discovery aspect um, that's really great beyond the you know the curation that they that they would put out. But I don't know if I see them going back to the whole artist stuff. Um, I was mentioning this on last week's Diagnostics and Usage. The only thing that, that I think would be really cool is if they integrated multiple things about an artist. So for example, you know, you're a big Taylor Swift fan and you go to the music app and you're playing one of her tracks and it says, oh, Taylor Swift's going to be in your area. And you tap on that date and within the music app, you can use Apple Pay to buy a t- uh, the ticket right through Ticketmaster. Like those types of integrations i think would be pretty cool but i don't know if they're going to get artists to like post social media updates because that that just doesn't seem right i can't honestly imagine what exactly you do to solve the problem that was ping and i'm all for a revamp of itunes i've been rooting for the idea of having a music app for the mac for a while now now that we have an ibooks app theoretically all of your books go through the ibooks app on the mac and then there could be something like a iPhone, iPad syncing app. Uh, see, this is where it gets hairy, is that if for the time being, if you still want to tether to your Mac and do backups on your Mac and keep your music library and your contacts and other things manually uh, synced between uh, these backups on your computer uh, and then installed onto your iPhone, your iPod, or your iPad, then all of it is done through iTunes. And we have been well-trained to do this for more than 10 years now with the iPod. So it would be a huge overhaul to change people's expectations when they open up a music app and find that it does less to, has less to do with tethering for the mobile devices and has more to do with just a rich experience with music over the Mac. And though I feel like it would be in the Mac's favor, it would not be in the favor of the people who are big on their iPhones and this sort of backup. And I don't know, maybe the idea is that Apple wants you to get over to iCloud and do all your backups there. But I don't know if they can realistically set that kind of expectation for most users. It's complicated. I think that they could now. I think that uh, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I plugged my iPhone into my computer for the purpose of using iTunes. You know, everything, you know, iCloud backups are going through there. I don't know. It's with mostly everything syncing with another service, whether that's an Apple service or Dropbox or something to that effect, I find it pretty rare. And, and I mean, this might be the perfect time to do it because they've already um, shown that they could, you know, 
get rid of iPhoto. And I say get rid of, I mean, you know, slowly phase it out. Uh, you know, you could still use your iPhoto library. But I'm wondering if they should do something similar to music, where if they have an app called Music, that takes over iTunes, but you could still have your iTunes library. Um, I, I could see where it can get confusing. I really see your thought process on that. But I don't see many people, you know, trying to sync data and saying, you know, oh, why is not why is this new music app popping up versus iTunes? I think Apple, if you know, the the geniuses uh, behind their marketing could figure something out. Right. So with the music app, just contain your library and then another app called iTunes continue to be the store where you buy movies. And that and too, music. yeah. Yeah. And no, and, that's a good point. And would there be would this necessitate that then they introduce a videos app? like you have on iOS for the Mac, where you get all of your television shows and movies. In theory, it makes sense because from day one, they didn't do, uh, they didn't integrate iBooks within iTunes. They allowed it to be its own separate thing. And I prefer it this way. Now, if you do this to movies and television shows, then it's, uh, you're changing, you're changing what everybody already knows. And again, I feel like it's going to work for a lot of people, the tech savvy people, the first generation adopters. If Apple says, Hey, we have a really beautiful video player. It is like a quick time movie on steroids now. And it makes such a beautiful experience that if you wanted to make your Mac a place where you watch movies, when you're away from Apple TV, go for it. It just feels like, um, wow, that if they wanted to go that direction, it would really change things. So again, I'm just not sure what the future of iTunes looks like because for such a long time, it looks like they've been resistant to change. Yeah, and then you got to ask the question, what would they do on the Windows side? Oh, wow. <laughs> so so what, you're, what you're suggesting is that Apple basically decentralize all of their stores to have a bunch of different store icons? No, I think what you do is you keep all the stores within iTunes and then you allow for apps to hold your music and another app to hold your video media. And, you know, just like you have a, an, another app to hold your books. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Hmm. It, it would just it would parallel what they do with iOS. At the same time, I'm not suggesting that it's the right solution. Something to think about. I, I would like it. This is a tough one. Because if if you could if you could just introduce someone to the Mac today... And say, hey, look at it. They got a music app, a video app, and a books app. They would say, oh, that makes complete sense. Well, where do I buy the media? And then you said, well, the, the, there's a store called iTunes. And then I think that to the the new Mac adopter, that would make more sense the, than the current scenario. Well, if you're, if you're going to go that, that radical, I mean, you got to drop the tunes. I mean, if you're going there to buy movies, drop the tunes part of iTunes. And, mm. you know, at that point, you have a media store and then an app store. And then I'm thinking, well, why, why have two stores? Why don't I have one store? Right. And, and that's why it would be radical. Apple store online or whatever. I mean, it is pretty radical. I've, I've never thought this deeply about it. Yeah. I've... So, <laughs> hmm. I, I feel like there are three guys in a room right now at Apple having the same exact discussion and are and getting paid a lot and getting paid a lot more than we are. Oh, absolutely! But they are they're hitting the same pain points as we are. It's like, do you then separate everything out? Then what do you do with iTunes? How long do you keep that as a legacy product? Maybe they do it gradually. Maybe they start with music and then you know two years later they'll do a little video and they because you know more people use. Uh, iOS devices versus Mac, so more people are accustomed to the iOS way. So, say they do convert iOS customers into Mac customers, 
um, it would be a better transition and a easier way to an easier kind of um, paradigm as far as parity goes between the between the two OSs, and it's easier for them to understand. But it is a ch- it's going to be a big challenge. Well, just tune in next week. I'll I'll think about it over the weekend and uh, come up with a solution. Please do. Yep, that'd be great. You're an engineer. Please use your skills. And speaking of video media, where does the Apple TV fit into this? Uh, the the rumor mill is all a buzz that. Apple's going places with the Apple TV, and it feels like maybe they're going to take away the the hobby status that looms over the Apple TV and make something significant of it. Oh, please. Yeah. Please. What do you think, guys? I think Apple is finally going to take the big stab at dominating your living room. The, this, this next Apple TV, um, if rumors and speculation are correct, seems to be... Um, their big step in saying, we want to be the main thing in your living room. We want to be the TV service. You know, Wall Street Journal reported the TV service with, you know, 25 channels for 30 to $40 a month. Um, they want to be your casual gaming console. So if they open up a um, developer um, API um, and open up an app store for the Apple TV, think of it this way, like, I never thought that we would have something like workflow for the iPad, but think of the equivalent tool for the Apple TV, not workflow, but something as, you know, wondrous and really cool that you could do on your TV. I feel like if they open, open up and they, and they put out some fast hardware that this could be uh, a a game changer. Mm. And I would like to see just a faster device. A lot of people these days who are early adopters for the Apple Watch are saying that they're not crazy about how slow it takes to load everything. I feel that pain point too. I've been using the watch now for about a week. Though it's not a complaint, it is an issue that you have to spend so much time just waiting for every third-party app to load. Now, I don't think that's actually an issue with the hardware as much as how the current apps have to stream from the phone, right? And they basically like stream, you know, uh, the the picture files or something. They're not actually loaded on the watch yet. So I think that's the real issue. The true watch kit is uh, still not available. Apple has no excuse uh, with hardware this time around with the Apple TV. I mean, the the third generation came out in 2012. Um, so, you know, whatever they put into this Apple TV, it's got to scream. And I'm assuming it's going to be a, one of their custom A processors so right now the the a single core a5 i believe is in the apple tv third generation that's you know we're talking about like iphone maybe 4s quality uh processor um so what you know whatever they come out with like an a9 or a88x um i think that these processors you know they're not 64-bit architecture the, these things are pretty fast. I mean, I have the first iPad Air, not the iPad Air 2, and I, I still have no complaints speed-wise. So if they put something of that quality into a set-top box, um, they're finally going to be able to compete with things like the Amazon Fire TV, which I hear is blazing fast. And then more so than the speed, perhaps, for the people who are, who are experienced with Apple TVs to date, I think a lot of people are expecting a huge change for the apps themselves. I don't know if they would open up an Apple TV kit and allow third parties to develop for it. Oh, they have to. They have to. They, they should have five years ago. I, I, I don't know why they haven't. It, it blows my mind. It seems likely, though, at this point, if, if they're going to introduce games. Why not? I mean, why not? And the interfaces right now are so stale on the Apple TV. They all have like the black background and it's a very similar hierarchy. And it would be great to, you know, when to give these developers the 
um, the tools to make a unique design for their Apple TV app. Cause I, you know, I, I get, I'll, I'll be honest. I get jealous of Netflix's apps on other set top boxes. They look a lot more prettier yes. and they got like <laughs> awesome show art and they, you know, you know, set photos in the background and I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, just text and a, and a, and a cover art and a <laughs> list. Well, what I've, what I've wanted for, for years is uh, instead of the screensaver of just pictures, why not a, some sort of notification center or some sort of rolling stream of information, calendar events, email, tweets, whatever. I'm just thinking of, of my family. Uh, they're all home uh, all day, you know, doing, doing school, doing, doing work. Why can't they have full access of to-do lists, OmniFocus? I mean, I'm just thinking of some sort of notification center uh, on the TV at all times. You know, that, that would be really cool. I could see that being powerful. And it would be also nice. I mean, yes, they've catered somewhat to having Apple TVs in the conference room because they have a conference room mode in the current Apple TV. But it would be cooler if they had some more enterprise specific things when it came to like presentations and you know I, I all i see is now apple tvs and conference rooms you know that's kind of like the new projector and, and and it's it's a joy to have versus you know hooking up vga into a number of adapters <laughs> now for the for the most part i prefer to get all my media off of the apple tv you guys too i, I take it uh yeah so um apple tv Netflix on there, Hulu. I have borrowed credentials for HBO. I'm home sharing a lot of stuff. So media that I've ripped via handbrake and such, um, that media is on a, a computer and it's in the it's in iTunes and I'm home sharing a lot of that. Another cool application that I um I'd like to mention is called Beamer. Beamer's a really cool app because um you don't need to have a file in an mp4 for it to go to the apple tv beamer will take any file and live transcode it over the fly to your apple tv which is really convenient instead of you having to hand break it and put it into itunes so like say you Mm. get sent a file and you want to get it there fast it's great you pop open beamer you drag and drop and it's it's on your apple tv so i really like that i'm going to take advantage of that for sure thank you for bringing that up I use the Apple TV for most most stuff. Uh, if I can't get it on there, like uh, Amazon videos, you know, I'll use the iPhone and just airplay it over. Or if I have to go to a computer, I'll just airplay it over from there. So yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, we cut the cords when I got married. We haven't had cable or anything like that now for eight years. Same here. And from at the very beginning, a 27-inch iMac was the television screen in the living room. <laughs> and it was helpful because we were cutting costs and, you know, just trying to save as we were moving into our first place. We didn't have the best paychecks in the world. So it worked out nicely. By the time that we were ready to upgrade and replace the television, I was using that iMac as just my day-to-day home computer. And again, we used it for all of the iTunes. Like you, Joe, we would rip the DVDs through handbrake so that we would rack up a digital copy of everything in iTunes music and uh, movies, television shows, you know, every now and then there's a little pain point, nothing major really, but I like to have cartoons like the Looney Tunes classics around for the children to watch. And, you know, the cartoons I grew up with, and there's really no great classification for things like that. They're not really television shows. They're not TV shows and they're not movies either. So they're called TV shows within the organization of my iTunes library. 
and you know, I, I really appreciate how we've been able to make this transition. It's it's not been very painful to move from the physical copies to the digital library. I have probably about 150 movies on DVD, and I haven't had a reason to use any of them in about three years now. <laughs> I'm in the same position. I, I have got probably 100 or so videos that uh, that I've ripped uh, via handbrake back in the day. And I just haven't haven't watched a single one. I and mean, there's just quite enough to keep me and or my kids entertained on, on stuff that's available streaming. And here's a random question, Joe. Do you ever get like like jealous of your kids when they're binge watching things that took you weeks to get through? You know? <laughs> oh yes. I've had this thought recently <laughs> that that I, I just loved uh, Garfield and Friends growing up. Saturday Saturday morning. Back in my day, we had to wait for Saturday mornings to watch cartoons. I, exactly, and I try to tell them that I'm like, "What do you 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 guys? I have watched one of these a morning. You just watched three of them. Now you're complaining because I'm telling you to shut it off." And yeah, so. <laughs> the worst is when you were young and you set up a VHS tape to record it, and then you hit AM instead of PM, uh, and uh, it didn't record <laughs> your favorite show at night. Like that was, yes, <laughs> that was the worst. Discovering you're like, what, what, what am I watching right now? This is nothing to do with the show I recorded. <laughs> yeah. So, so Joe, is there any other uh, special wishes that you would have for the future Apple TV? Anything that you would like to see in particular? Um, I just want. I just want more ways to get different services. Like I, Apple really needs to, as much as they probably don't want to, they need to get Amazon on there. I know you can AirPlay the Amazon Prime Instant from like a, an iOS device, but it's just not as yeah. convenient. Um, so they they need to partner with more people, and I think they will. I feel like the 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 main reason that we haven't seen an Apple TV was content deals, and I think that they're finally satisfied with the amount of content deals that they have and we've seen a sneak peek of that with hbo now and they're you know their three-month exclusive but yeah you know more integration and i think the key to this new apple tv is is allowing third parties because you asked me what i want i I want what what a developer can dream up for me you know is these developers they come up with so so many clever things for ios that i would never have thought of so at Third-party integration is going to be uh, the key to this to this set-top box mm. success. Right, I, I I agree that they they've held back because of of content deals, but you know there there's just no good reason they shouldn't have opened up an app store by now. I mean, five or six years ago, I'm thinking, well, you know, any any moment now, <laughs> and it's it's been a half a decade. It's it, I, I I've never read a good argument or reason why that hasn't happened yet. If I had one wish for the platform, it would be that they would find a way to make it cost effective for people to become cord cutters that haven't made that switch just yet. All things considered, if you wanted the access to all the media you have on cable over uh, within Apple TV, it would get expensive pretty fast. I think it was Dan Mornin who was talking about this on The Rebound that if you wanted to subscribe to all of the season passes for the television shows you want to watch in iTunes – and then you signed up for the HBO Now service, and then there was the Hulu service so that you could watch Seinfeld and the likes, then very quickly you're spending a lot more money from month to month for the cord cutting in the Apple TV services than it is to, um, you know, just kind of just, you know, deal with what you have, accept the restrictions, the limitations of cable, and continue to pay for that and just catch things on a TiVo. 
I, I think that there has to be a better way to make a pricing structure. I agreed. And, and The Verge has a cord cutting calculator. Um, that's really cool. And it kind of shows you all the current services and you can check off what you would want to get and how much your monthly bill would be. That is a concern that I've brought up in the past is, you know, yes, great. All these companies are now allowing certain things to be, you know, streamed. But once you add up the bill, it may be very similar to, to you know, to when you paid for cable. So, you have to watch out for that. I mean, one one thing that I've really found helpful is having an HD antenna, which has uh, you know given me free high definition live TV for like the basic channels like CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, and th- those are really cheap. You can get those, you know, depending you know on the brand, but you can get it for ten bucks. Um, some people spend a little more to get a a better range of channels, but I think that is one way to to kind of keep costs down. But uh, I'll have to say, ever since the court has been cut, when I am over someone's house, and A, com- not not having to see many commercials is a joy, but I'm glad that I don't really have access to reality TV because when <laughs> I do so, you know, sit on someone's couch and they have something on and, and I'm like, what, what am I watching? I'm like, I, I, people are paying cable to have access to this type of stuff on on tv it's just it's kind of baffling i completely now. completely agree <laughs> i saw while we were watching um what was it mad max the other day there was one of the pre-shows and they were showing a teaser for a new television show it's a dramatization of producers making a reality television show and wow we've gone meta really really meta the loop has closed broken and i don't know how the universe is holding together anymore <laughs> and I bet you that's scripted too. I bet you that reality TV show about a reality TV show is all scripted. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Y'all ready to close? Yeah. Sure. Thank you so much, Joe Kayati. Where can people find you online? Well, you can find me online on Twitter at Joe Kayati, and I will spell my last name C A I A T I. Um, I write at joekayati.info. And if you enjoyed the sound of my voice, you can hear more of me at diagnosticsandusage.com. Thank you guys for having me on. This has been, you know, a real blast. I enjoyed myself. It is a treat. And I'll be keeping in touch with you on Twitter. We'll have you back here in a couple of months to talk about whatever the Apple TV is then. I'm sure we're going to hear something, yeah, pretty soon. Oh, that would be exciting. So this completes episode eight of Tectonic. Visit tectonic.fm slash eight for the show notes and the links. And if you want to connect with us, we are at Tectonic FM on Twitter and send your feedback via email to hello at tectonic.fm. And if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, I'm Joe Darnell and Josh is Joshua Pfeiffer. But, you know, like he said earlier, he's not really into the Twitter scheme. So maybe you can find him on Facebook and he'll gladly block you. Twit me and maybe maybe you can change my mind or, or mm. whatever you call it. Tweet, tweet me out. I don't I don't know. <laughs> or they can just find you on Facebook and they could you can block them. Yeah, I'll just that was exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. I will block you. And like you explained earlier, it's because you love them, not because you dislike them. Yeah. Act of mercy. Yes. You don't really want to know me. If you want to help us out, uh, The Tectonic Show, give us your star rating and leave us a review on iTunes because that helps other people find and enjoy the show. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic.
current apps have to stream from the phone, right? Oh, one second, guys. Uh, let me put a pause here because um, I believe my wife is trying to tune her violin in the room up above me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, please stop. I'm still. Please recording. stop the violin, please, for the love of God. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, at least I hope it's my wife. <laughs> <laughs>